I read comics. Show number 51. Tired. <laughs> I'm kind of awake because I just napped. <laughs> well, I didn't get to sleep on the plane. So we're doing this podcast remotely from our uh, fabulously sumptuous hotel here <laughs> in Tenafly, New Jersey. <laughs> Tenafly. <laughs> yeah. So we're here on business and we thought we'd get a podcast in because it's been a while. Because the last one was the Spider-Man show. Yes. Which was, oh, that was show number 50. That's right. So this is show number 51. Um, but we've both been trying to read some stuff and we wanted to, to just do an update and this seemed like a good opportunity. Um, so did you want to do some stuff first or do you want to just like talk about Let's talk about that one first and I'll talk about okay. stuff later. So um, the first thing that um, I really wanted to talk about, and I made Logan read this book so that we could actually talk about it together, is um, the Project X books. And a lot of people have heard about them, and I had heard all about them. When I went to Comic Relief to buy the one I wanted, which was the, the ramen noodle one, they were out of it. So they said, oh, but we have the 7-Eleven one. And I said, well, okay, I'll take that. That would be all right. And there's a third one, which is, I believe, the Nissan story. It's funny. Um, ramen noodles are featured prominently. <laughs> In, in the 7-Eleven Yeah. Um, so this, I, I read about this, and these books are based on a documentary series that they show in Japan, which is hugely popular. And then they made manga out of them, which I thought was a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if they made comic books out of, like, the documentaries that you see on the Discovery right. Channel and stuff, or Nova. Like, right. that would be really cool. So I don't know why American companies aren't doing this. But what I love about this is that um, it's a beautiful little manga book. It's the right size. You have to read it back to front and all that. But it takes what most people, I think, would consider a very uh, an interesting but kind of, you know, t- t- typical business story mm-hmm. about how they introduced 7-Eleven to Japan and turn it into, like, this incredibly melodramatic... Yeah, it's riveting. ...riveting story that really focuses on the people who did it and, and uses all the typical manga things. I mean, I'm just looking at this one panel right here mm-hmm. of these two guys shaking hands, and it's like a superhero panel yeah. where they're, they're saying... Um, I'm in your hands. And the other guy says, likewise. And it's funny. Anytime anyone gets excited, they do the <clears throat> the sketch, the diagonal lines. Yeah, coming the, off sort of Sort of starburst lines coming out. And yeah. it, it happens a lot. And what, what was hard for me is I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to, which emotion it was supposed to convey. Yeah. Sometimes it's excitement and sometimes it's anger. And sometimes it's, it's fear. Yeah. They have the same sort of thing. But I just love that there's like huge splash panels of two guys shaking hands. Yeah, Because <laughs> totally. they're sealing a deal. And, and one thing we talked about was, uh, <clears throat> before I'd read it, was the the dramatic... Um, like the narration. Narration. <laughs> yeah. And it's at the end of every chapter. <laughs> there's something like, and they never knew the huge <laughs> challenges that lie ahead. It's like... <laughs> Every single chapter ends that way, and it's, it's great. great. It's so wonderful. I just love it. I mean, I'm looking. Here's another panel. So here's a guy shaking his fist, and he said, and this is very dramatic, and he says, if we can implement the Southland Corporation's industry know-how, the convenience store will definitely succeed in Japan. <laughs> and this is like the climactic point of this whole chapter is him yeah. shaking his fist and making this <laughs> declaration that the convenience store will succeed in Japan. Mm-hmm. So um, I just thought this was such a brilliant idea and really well executed. It was very... I 
read it. I, so the first few pages in, I thought, I don't know if I'm going to even <laughs> be able to keep up, you know, get through this on the plane. And then I just, it gets really fascinating. It just I sucks you put right it down. in. It's amazing. So, yeah, I, I can, I just recommend this book to everybody. They should read it. And, and I think American comic book publishers should totally take a lesson from this in how to make something which could be very dull and boring yeah. into this really exciting story. And, of course, they focused on the main characters, these mm-hmm. two guys who were, like, minor employees of a big supermarket chain in Japan, <clears throat> and how they really wanted to, they were put in, like, the research department, right, which was a room with a folding chair, right. <laughs> because they, nobody had any confidence in them, and, um... It just they were inspired to do something totally new in in Japan, and this was like the early seventies. I think right. I had a little trouble with the dating because yep. they don't use American dating, right. even Western dating, I suppose. So I was kind of like flipping back and forth. Um, and they took the Seven Eleven concept, but they had to modify it for Japan. Right, and it was interesting. One of the more interesting points was so they introduced these thirteen other characters, mm-hmm. or fourteen or fifteen actually, um, <clears throat> that are all part of the team, including the first store owner. Mm-hmm. And when they get the the Seven uh, Eleven convenience store freezer to the first store that's going to convert to be a Seven Eleven, it won't fit in, and it's too big for the store. And so all these things, what are they going to do? And this this innovator that's on their team has this idea. He's a store designer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he says, "What if we build a freezer that's open to the customers on one side mm-hmm. and open on the back side as well?" And I mean, of course, to us, mm-hmm. duh, because I mean, they're all like that now, but. It originated in Japan. Yeah. The original 7-Eleven freezers or convenience store free, uh, cooler um, refrigerators only opened from the front. So you had to stock them from the front. Mm-hmm. And this was this innovation in, for Japan so that they could save space that then came here. And another thing I found interesting was as the Southland Corporation tried to get into oil and a few other and real estate, it started failing. Mm-hmm. And so they asked the guys <laughs> from Japan who had then, by that point, been wildly successful mm-hmm. To come over and help them. In three years, they brought the Southland um, Corporation out of a, a huge, yeah. uh, I, I don't even know, they weren't bankrupt, but they were close, they and were it was hailed it, as yeah. the biggest turnaround in American corporate history. Yeah, it's amazing. So I, I also love the fact that um, in the story of the guy who was the first shop owner, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was the kind of guy that most people associate with 7-Eleven owners. Like, he, he really needed a business because he was supporting his whole family. Like, yeah. he had an extended family, and he had a, a wife and a young child, and was working, like, 18-hour shifts, and his wife was helping out, yeah. and it was really the kind of thing that he had to pour his whole life into. Right. Um, and in order to make it work, they had to change some business practices in Japan right. about how things were delivered to the stores, and it was like... This huge revolutionary thing. Well, what I really liked was that for a while it wasn't succeeding because they just tried to take um, mm-hmm. formula, American formula, and drop it into Japan and it wasn't working. But what I loved was this guy was putting in all these extra hours mm-hmm. and then so did the team of 15, the corporate guys mm-hmm. from Japan. They, they really didn't want, A, the, the concept to fail because if it failed it would never take off in Japan but also they didn't want this guy's life to be ruined yep. and they talk about that and they said if he's putting in the hours so will we and every single one of them finds yep. a way to help out and they come down to the shop and they're like yeah, mopping, they're the mopping floors. his floor it is it's such a like it's a human interest story mm-hmm. really told in in this really fascinating way. So I, I just have to call attention to this other panel right here. That after the first successful day, when the executives are all listening to mm-hmm. it and they're all going oh, like in this very speed racerish <laughs> thing, and then the concluding sentences, the project team members overflowed with excitement. Mm-hmm. 
which is a kind of an awkward translation, but I think it actually <laughs> captures it. Um, one thing that I did notice was um, that the Americans in here, the guys who are representatives at the Southland Corporation, they're not portrayed as villains, but they're not really the nicest guys in no. the world, and they're kind of stupid. Well, there's even the, uh, look, oh, sorry. Did you uh, well, I wanted to just point oh, something out. That's okay. There's this one uh, at the very end here where they, the way they're drawn is <laughs> so funny. Maybe that's what you had your finger on. Uh, they really do look like cartoonish Americans, whereas the Japanese people all look pretty realistic. You know, they're not drawn cartoony. The Americans, to me, look much more cartoony looking. Yeah. Like, they kind of had fat faces, exactly. and their hair was a little weird, and they, they look more like In the like same way that I think that <laughs> the American artists often draw Japanese. Yes, I totally oh, agree man, with I that. I can't find it. There's this one point where, um, I think it's the, <clears throat> the lead character says, you know, fine, and we'll just go do this ourselves. And we don't need you or something. Mm-hmm. And they just, the way that the looks on their face is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to find it right now. Because I don't remember actually what part of the story it was. It's right before they opened the first door, so maybe that's where I need to go. Um, you can tell that they use some photo reference for some of this. Um, just in some of the designs of the buildings are obviously not just drawn, but not traced. But they're definitely photo referenced. And that's kind of cool. That It adds some realism to it. Um, all of the dialogue and all of the, the exposition is in English, but the signs are all still in Japanese yep. and the sound effects are still in Japanese. Yeah, that was... I meant to look them up to see exactly what they are because um, things make different noises in Japan as they do here. Huh. I'm totally not finding this. It's just this one panel and it is hilarious because they, <clears throat> they're just... I'll try and find it. Well, if you can find it, I can scan it. And yeah, can they're put drawn it up later very hilariously. It's got to be past here, so I'm just going to keep flipping through while we talk. Um, One thing that that I did notice, and um, where I was marking with my finger is, so it's manga from back to front, and the cover of the book has um, a a picture. It's the actual picture of the team, the the Japanese team. So this picture here, um, right on the cover. Oh, yeah. Shows them, and it shows what they really look like. Yep. So I it's thought that was good. And then there's another, yeah, and then there's the actual, like, photocopied mm-hmm. pictures that are in here, so you can see. And, and it's kind of interesting that there's some, um, they show some of the merchandise and what the first store, which is still there, by the way. It's still in Japan, the first store. Like, yeah, it's, it's the shrine. referenced yeah. <laughs> in the Harvard Business School case study. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a timeline in the back, which helped me figure it out. But I noticed that... Um, one thing is that the artist made all of the people look a lot better in the art than they yeah. actually did. Yes, in they're life. very attractive. <laughs> Which is only fair. I mean, I think that most artists would do that with anybody that they were drawing pictures right. of. But the thing that really cracked me up is that um, there's a, a drawing of the cover picture inside the book. Let me find it. Okay. Yeah, there it is. So here's the drawing. This is on page 13 of the cover picture in the book. And I kept kind of flipping back and forth so I could recognize mm-hmm. the people. But I noticed in looking at the actual cover that they airbrushed the white people out. So there are uh, two yeah. spots where the white guys from yeah. Southland were, but they're not on the cover of the book. Which <laughs> <laughs> really made me laugh. I like that. It's just subtle, but it's there. And... Uh, yeah, it, it's it, there's some places where it's kind of hard to tell these guys apart because they're sort of like young Japanese business guys, and they they have similar hairstyles, which confused me. <clears throat> the way I started picking up on it was, um, what's this guy's name? Oh, no, see, I can't remember. I got let me let me turn it to the front because <laughs> I remember um, which one it was. So Suzuki um, always wears this gray striped suit, right? And so they always wear the same suits through the whole. And then um, 
what is it, Shimizu, he's mm-hmm. the other lead guy, he always wears this suit. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think they keep your... Yeah, you, you have to be able to do it. Keep them separate. But... Yeah, and I wish they had focused a little more on this woman yeah. who was there. They, they say in the introduction that um, she was very important because she helped um, develop the lines of products that would appeal to women because a lot of women shop in these convenience right. stores, but they didn't really play it up very much. I mean, it's so, a short book. Something <laughs> about um, stockings. Stockings, and right. That yeah. she says that, you know, we can put, put a bunch of them in there because they cascade really well. Mm-hmm. and. That's pretty much all her con- contribution listed in the yeah, book. Yeah, although I mean, they they have in the little biography they they say she played an important part. She acts as managing buyers of sundries, and I'm assuming sundries means all sorts of other things yeah. that they had there. So it's cool. But I just love this book. I think it's wonderful, and I could see that this would be the kind of book that you actually could um, give to like a. Harvard Business School class mm-hmm. and say, like, read this. This yeah. is much more interesting than reading a case study. Oh All the facts are there. You know, it's not played up or they don't right. use language to obscure anything, but it just has everything that you could ever want in a case study of, of business that succeeds, and it's really well drawn, too. So I love this. So I'm really looking forward to getting the other books because I really mm-hmm. want to read the ramen noodle one and then the Nissan one. Yeah. And I think that they should totally do this for American documentaries. It's yeah. Awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Oh, good. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, you can go. Okay. Can talk about I only have stuff. a few things. Uh, so I mentioned this to you um, before we left, but I picked up the <clears throat> four or five, six, and maybe it's seven of the Midnighter. Oh, right, yes. Um, and the first three I thought were ridiculous, and I wasn't going to read them. And then I saw a picture scanned on one of the uh, websites I read uh, of Midnighter and Apollo making out. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll pick them back up. And So I caught up on Midnighter, and it's a great book, much like Project X here. Um, it starts in the back mm-hmm. and moves forward, and it actually, if you open it to the first page, it says, I knew how the story would end before it began. And... So you see, basically, Midnighter and Apollo standing there making out. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I get, I get it. I'm supposed to go into the beginning. And actually, it gets the storyline, the whole storyline gets better as it gets into the 5, 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. The 1, 2, 3, and 4, and even 5, he's sent to 1915 to kill Hitler before Hit, while Hitler's a boy, so he doesn't actually come to power. And so what we find out is that, you know, he wasn't supposed to, the, the guy who, oh, and this guy put um, an implant in Midlander's heart and said that if he doesn't do it, he'll explode. <laughs> he won't just die, he'll explode. Right. And so the guy, so what Midlander figures out in all of this is that, oh, the time cops come after Midlander, by the way. But they then kind of get on his side and he decides not to kill Hitler because what he figures out is that the guy who wants him to kill Hitler didn't want him to kill Hitler because you know, his family was killed by Hitler or whatever, it's so that he could then rise to power. Oh, he was positioned uh-huh. in a way, his parents were aristocrats or something, that he could then mm-hmm. be the new Hitler, if Hitler never existed. And so Menander decides not to kill Hitler because of that very reason. Um, but anyway, it, it gets kind of interesting, and he, you know, gets the thing taken out of his heart. But, fascinating, is he, he realizes that if he goes under, they're just going to do something even worse, mm-hmm. even though he's, I think he's killed the really bad guy, but, so he, he has surgery while he's awake, heart surgery, <laughs> and being, you know, the ultimate soldier who mm-hmm. can heal and everything, then he was fine, but it was, it's actually pretty good, I, I still miss, um, the, uh, the authority in the, mm-hmm. from the early days, mm-hmm. but 
this is working all right. Yeah. Well, I love it when comics do interesting stuff like that just to mess around, like to, yeah. to tell a story back to front. Or right. To do interesting things with the structure of it because it seems like um, – it's the kind of medium where you can set a challenge like that for the writer and the artist right. and, and have to work in those constraints, and that makes for a much more interesting story. Like, Definitely. you know, push your talent, try to it do was, something different. It's the most recent issue that was out, and it was the, my favorite one so far. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Maybe it was just because it was so novel that it mm-hmm. went back to front, because it was still the conclusion of this whole story arc. But uh, either way, it was it was really cool. Yeah. I, I think that... Um, it's much more fun when you can play within the rules and then break the rules and try to do stuff. I mean, I've said this so many times, but I really prefer stories that are kind of self-contained and and just just don't go on forever because when there's rules, like you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, you got to make the story work within that. If there's no rule, if you could just make the story go on and on forever, it's so much less interesting because then you never have to make your mind up. You can just keep changing stuff and... The story is endless. Another thing I just remembered about <clears throat> the Midnighter, the story arc, is the time cops are from like 31st or 41st century or something way out there. <clears throat> and he, they're saying something and they're like, well, you know, not like you. And he's like, what's that supposed to mean just because I'm married to a guy? And they're like, what? And he's like, what, just because I'm gay or whatever, homosexual? And they're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> And it, so it turns out in the 41st century, there is no <clears throat> gender identity. Everyone just loves everyone. Oh. And so the time cop, the, the female who's the lead time cop, is telling him, no, I mean, people just have relationships with a guy or a girl or whoever <clears throat> at the time, but they also switch. I mean, it's just it's whoever you really are attracted to. And she's like, take these guys back here. You know, they each used to have wives. And their wives got together, and so now they're together. And so there are these guys in the back of the time cop ship, like kind of like smiling and looking over at each other. And it was just really cool to be that. That's great. Forward with the because you know Midnighter being this Batman on steroids and PCP, you know, it's kind of cool that and and gay, uh, which maybe that doesn't differentiate him from Batman all that much, but you know it's kind of cool that they worked in the storyline even. A little bit more. Yeah, he's just not into young boys. Is the difference right? He's that's, into that's Superman. Superman, yeah, adults. <laughs> Let's say adults. Um, that that's really interesting about the time cops. Um, one of the books that that I'm reading now, I want to finish, is um, the newest uh, Legion trade. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading on Wikipedia. No, I wasn't actually. There's a blog called Legion Abstract, and a guy um, summarizes the issues. And I don't mind reading the spoilers. And he was saying that in the latest actual issue that was printed. Um, the Legion is supposed to be in the 31st century, and yeah. they get a visit from Legionnaires from the 41st century. Huh. And That's no one's really sure if they're for real or if they're just, right. like, making stuff up or whatever. And so that's a new plot element that's being introduced, and I'm kind of interested to see how that turns I kinda out. I kind of like the art. Yeah, the art in this is pretty good. Um, the last one's all... They're different. These are add-ons at the oh, end. Okay. It was some filler. I have to say, I'm not very happy with this trade. Hmm. Like, it's a pretty small trade, and there's all this stuff at the end, which were, like, these extra stories that they put in to fill it up. And so there's not much like actual forward movement of the plot which mm-hmm. kind of annoyed me. Well it also looks like it's old school, right? It's supposed to be. Yeah. It's it's like homage. Yeah. Um, but this it, these collected issues do have a really good punch up between Supergirl and Monel where they basically beat the crap out of each other. Okay. With like this. <laughs> like it's on the back cover, which I always think is good, you know? Yeah. When two legionnaires kinda go at it and smack each other around, there's some really good action sequences That's in nice. there where the that two of them great. are battling and it turns into, like, they're doing it for a reason, but it's, yeah. it's good to see that. So, 
just a little um, comment on the Legion. I bought my niece uh, three comic book, three comic trades mm-hmm. for her birthday in April, and I, I only skimmed through them at the time. And my key goal was to see that it had a bunch of different characters, mm-hmm. but that they were um, more female focused. So I got her a Supergirl trade, a Wonder Woman trade, and Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because it's the new, it's the teen, the new Teen Titans origin story. So mm-hmm. it's not the Nightwing. It's when it's when Cyborg and uh, what's her name Starfire mm-hmm. go and round up Robin and all these the the, the new one, Superboy. And, mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of cool to read that. And, and I was reading that one, um, but the one that deals with the Legion is the Supergirl one. And so I start reading it to my niece because she wanted to read some of them uh, this weekend. And there's the first story in the Supergirl one is about Power Girl. Which mm-hmm. I didn't understand, and so, <laughs> so a couple of comments. The whole Power Girl story is about her being confused about who she actually yeah, is, yeah. and and in she hears this plane that's going to explode, and so she she goes to try and stop it. The Legion has come back and said, "You're not who you think you are. Mm-hmm. You're a Legionnaire, and you need to come with us and stop meddling. You were only sent here for this very specific purpose to protect." you know, Superman or whatever, and, and now you need to come back with us and stop interfering with history. And so they keep trying to prevent her from um, affecting the, the the plane crash. These people are supposed to die, you're not supposed to be here. Um, and then in the end, Superman comes, and Supergirl, and, and Superman says, the pilot says that you just kept being very erratic and flying up and grabbing the plane and then <laughs> flying back. And she's like, no, it was a legion, they were here, they were fighting me. He's like, no one ever saw anything. And, um, so that was interesting because it was this Legion story, but only in her head. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, but the second part that I wanted to comment on was, as we all know, what's the most popular, most famous thing about Power Girl are <laughs> boobs. So there's this part where she's sitting in the very beginning and Jimmy Olsen comes up and she's sitting on top of the Daily Planet. He's sitting there and she's thinking a lot in, um, in her head while Jimmy's talking to her and she says, oh, he's only going to... He, he's only going to look over and see one thing. Everyone only ever sees one thing. And obviously, uh, he, he kind of looks over and talks to her, and she's like, he's not looking. Why isn't he looking? Maybe he's not into that. And so then it's like this hint, maybe Jimmy's gay. Um, but then he does look, and it's very obvious he's looking. So I thought that was interesting that they reference it. And then, in the end, she's talking to Superman about how when she came became Power Girl, she wanted to have a symbol like he did mm-hmm. and she felt that her symbol would be the lack of a symbol mm-hmm. and that people would take notice of the thing you know of her and i can't remember what she said but it was basically like i thought my symbol would be my tits <laughs> it's what it i mean it's essentially what it says i'm thinking how can they be so blatant and not really care <laughs> Anyway, so I had to throw that out there. Yeah, well, thank you for mentioning that. I, you know, I've, it, Power Girl is a character who has just been retconned and rewritten yeah. and given so many different origin stories at this point. It's like they just, well, I think they just don't know what to do with a lot of the female characters. Right. They can't decide what they're going to do. But I should give you the um, the trade of the, the original JSA story where she first appeared, which is really good. Yeah. I mean, it was published in, I guess it was the late 70s or maybe early 80s. And... Um, 
she was a great character right from the very beginning. And contrary to popular belief, people always say this, is that the original artist who drew her, Wally Wood, um, would draw her tits bigger and bigger with every issue mm. to see if anybody would notice, and they never did. And that's totally not true. Mm. People have gone and, and scanned it, and this was all linked from when Fangirls attacked. And they never did that. Yeah. It's only recently, yeah. like in the last – like five years that artists have taken such liberties and, and made it. And when she was drawn originally, she was just really tough and, you know, she had normal sized tits. They weren't huge. Mm-hmm. And just this week I saw that beautiful Alex Ross cover of her, which is like so amazing. Mm-hmm. And she looks so cool and yeah. tough. Like she would just kick anyone's ass. Yeah. So I think only Alex Ross should ever be allowed to draw her or paint her. Or women. In yeah. And women in general. Cause he, he's just so much better than everybody else. Um, just the final... So the Teen Titans one was great. Uh, the Wonder Woman one... Mm-hmm. So I read these after my niece went off to play with her her, her cousins. But the uh, the Wonder Woman had all these different stories, and they were very interesting, and they had to do with her mother, and there was the Amazon sh- ship called the Ark, I think, that mm-hmm. was up, or something like that. Anyway, but then there was this one where Cersei changes all of the men in the world <clears throat> to half-men, half-beasts, including all the superheroes, so they don't have their powers. So Flash <laughs> has turned into a half, like, horse, half-human, and he can't access his powers. Oh, that's really cool. All of them have been changed into an animal that limits their ability to use their power. Uh-huh. Um, like, I, I think it was a Green Lantern turns into, like, half-gorilla, and so he's really dumb or whatever, and he can't use his concentrate to use mm-hmm. his ring. It's really interesting. So what ends up happening, and it's Cersei and all these other bad, bad uh, supervillainesses, Villainess. Anyway, um, female supervillains. And so Wonder Woman and all these female superheroes have to gather and it's this this battle between good and evil. It's, it's, it is really a long story line. And, um, it was fun. I was, I didn't even know who some of the characters were because I've never gotten a lot of some of the super, um, villains, but the superheroes were all very recognizable. And you're like, oh yeah, they don't hardly, they, they very rarely get any, um, Screen time? Screen time, yeah. <laughs> um, page time. Yeah. And here they all are, you know, fighting it out. Oh, and that's so cool. It's a cool... Maybe maybe next time I'm down, I'll bring it and yeah. show it to you. That would be cool. I'd like to see that. But I think that the Wonder Woman one is the one I'm really excited for my niece to read, even if it's like it's all over the place and I don't even know all the characters, but it's all these women fighting and being tough. And then there's this other thing where Wonder Woman and her mother, her mother dies. This is the one where Hippolyta dies. Mm-hmm. Um... And Wonder Woman and Superman are, are are fighting together, and Wonder Woman gets really hurt, and Superman's really caring for her, and it's obviously, you know, Wonder Woman's nearly as tough as <clears throat> Superman, and I just really like that this whole trade, which is three or four story arcs, is all about Wonder Woman being uh, equal, really, mm-hmm. you know, and or better in certain cases than some of the male superhero characters, which most of Wonder Woman's storyline doesn't. Get, doesn't have mm-hmm. that element, you know. And she's fighting sort of semi supervillains and doing, yeah, getting <laughs> incarcerated and yeah. So I really like this one. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. Yeah. The next time I go to Comic Relief, I think I'm going to buy some of the kid stuff, like 
Um, they're still doing Teen Titans Go, as far as I know, which is based on the, the TV show. And then there's a Legion comic book, which is based on the... Yeah, the, the, I saw that yeah, one yeah. when I was there recently. And um, it looks pretty interesting, so I, I want to see what they're doing, because I think stuff like that is so important. Like, they really need to keep putting out those kinds of comics that are a little simpler yeah. um, for younger kids to get into them and start learning about who the characters are. I would love to see the Teen Titans introduce a gay character. That would be cool. Yeah. I, I also, So the one thing I really do like, and this isn't... That I don't think they're suggesting that it's gay at all, but it's that Connor, um, Superboy, mm-hmm. and uh, Robin are really close and like share everything. Mm-hmm. And in a way that some of the Batman and Superman stuff is, but even closer because they're younger. And I really like it because it's like, oh, boys can be friends mm-hmm. and talk about their emotions and talk about the things that worry them. And and yeah, I. I just really like that. Yeah. That would be great if they put a, a gay character in Teen Titans. I mean, there's no reason why not. No. DC seems to be less um, willing to, to, or less adventurous with the gay characters. Mm-hmm. Um, both Runaways and uh, Young Avengers mm-hmm. have, have gay characters. Yeah. And DC's teen ones seem to not have that. Yeah, and and especially in Young Avengers, it's like no big deal. No, they don't make they a don't big even deal, make a big deal, which and, is awesome. Yeah, and it's funny because in both Runaways and Teen Titans, it involves a half scroll or a scroll mm-hmm. who you know they can be male or female, and so it's kind of interesting that that's how they work it in there. But then it just becomes this part of the story. It's no bigger, no bigger or smaller than any of the other characters in yeah. their stories. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if there's ever been a, an openly gay character in Legion, and I'm, I missed big chunks of Legion in the, the, the 80s, so I don't really know. But as far as I can tell, the, the, the Legion characters that are in here now, there's not a lot of focus on the characters. It's more about the storyline. Yeah. So there's not a lot of, you know, who's dating who or who's sleeping with who. Right. So I'm not sure, but I'll have to check that out. Maybe somebody else knows better. I am a big fan of Wiccan. <laughs> Wiccan is really cool. He's my favorite. Um, not to mention, you know, I really liked him right from the beginning because he was dressed like Thor, yeah. like a really skinny emo Thor, <laughs> totally. which was so cool. With a big kind of wing helmet hat thing on that totally doesn't fit. Yeah, he's very funny. That was great. I really, really liked that. Um, speaking of the Legion, I, I didn't bring this book with me. I have to look up the issues, but um, I have those Legion archives, which are the reprints of the original Silver Age stuff. Mm-hmm. And the stories are just totally cracktastic because all kinds of weird <laughs> shit happened. But um, there was a, a, a short story arc, I think it went over three issues, where um, Superman has to go it, it's usually um, Superboy who interacts with the Legion because it's teenagers, right? right? But then um, Superman goes forward but further in time because he interacts with the adult Legion. So we get huh. to see what they're all like when they're grown up. And it's very complicated and all yeah. kinds of weird stuff happens. But the thing that I found really interesting was that they show the adult Legion and it's kind of like one of those whatever happened to. Mm-hmm. So Cosmic Man, not Cosmic right. Boy, Boy. Yeah. Um, takes him around and he's like, oh, let me show you who's still here. And, and it turns out some of the substitute heroes who have those odd powers that are almost handicaps but not quite are now full members of the Legion. Hmm. And then other people are paired off and there's okay. a bunch of marriages that happen. And the only woman who's left in the Legion from the original one is Saturn Woman now. And I just love Saturn Girl because she's yep. so kick-ass. Yep. And in the 60s Legion, she was totally there. And I was so happy that they let her still be there. Yeah. Sort of as the co-leader of the group. It's like, oh, So speaking of the so Legion cool. and the adult Legion, um, the JSA, JLA, well, I guess it's the Justice Society of America and Justice League of America, um, crossover right now. The, it, 
Um, and, and the whole story arc involves Legionnaires coming back. Well, what's happened is they have been, um, seven of them have been sent back to our time frame and scattered throughout, and their memories are gone. And so they don't really... Uh, they discover one of them in... Um, I think I can't remember the bad guy who's using him to be a villain only through, like, mind control or something. And so when they figure it out and somehow... Oh, and then one of the the, Legion, <clears throat> the Legionnaires is in is on the JSA. He's part of their team. And so then they, little by little... And he's, by the way, his mind is scrambled, so he just wanders around saying random things, <laughs> like reciting uh, poetry that makes no sense and stuff. So then they start to figure out how to turn back on. Like, Brainiac 5 had installed some code word, and if they uh, heard it, uh-huh. <clears throat> they would snap back too. And so they found five of them. I haven't bought the most recent JSA where I think they find the other two. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that they tell the JSA and the JLA... Well, we're here because we've got something that we have to stop. But in private quarters, the five of them who now know what their mm-hmm. mission is, that they've been act- reactivated their memories, something's afoot. Mm-hmm. Like they, it doesn't sound like they've been sent back for good things or what we would consider uh-huh. good things. Oh, it's, it's a really, it's a cool story. I'll bring them in yeah. um, because I think that you will enjoy it. Yeah, I think totally. that there's only the one, the JSA that I haven't bought yet and then Two more, so another JLN and another JSA to end it off. I think mm-hmm. there's a really cool two variant covers that I really want because <laughs> surprise, surprise, the variant covers are Green Lantern JSA and Green Lantern Hal uh, uh-huh. um, for the the Justice League and the Justice Society. So I have to get those because they're awesome. Take them home, put them in little plastic. Exactly. Bags. Oh. Well, it's cool. Where I buy comics, they come in plastic bags. Oh, and very cardboard. Nice. Very yeah. nice. Whatever, whatever comics. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> That's great. Um, I just have to say one more thing about the Adult Legion, because I just remembered this, and it cracked me up when I was looking at it. So, you know, um, Brainiac 5 has always been kind of a jerk, mm. and in the current Legion reboot with Supergirl, he's really a dick. <laughs> I mean, he's just, like, so overbearing and contemptuous of everybody else mm-hmm. and all that, which is very amusing. And he was sort of that way in the Silver Age, too, although not so much. But in the Adult Legion, he's still one of the active... Legionnaires, mm-hmm. and he smokes a pipe, and he kind of <laughs> looks like Ward Cleaver. He's sitting there with That's a funny. pipe. He's still kind of irritable. He gets pissed off at people, but yeah, he's sitting there smoking a pipe. Very amazing. That really cracked me up. <clears throat> okay, well, I think that's all I have for this I've got time. I've got a couple more comments. Things. Okay. Um, okay, we talked about that. So, oh yeah, just one final thing, which is um, I just showed Lena this awesome video clip for this movie called Race You to the Bottom, which apparently was made in 2005, and I think the big deal is that it's supposed to come out on DVD or something soon. Um, And it's, the storyline is random and doesn't really have to do with the the most interesting point, which is in this preview that's online right now. It's got Justin Hartley, who some of you may know as the kid who played Aquaman in the pilot, Mercy Reef, that never really launched. And then but he's, was downloaded 8 million billion times right, on iTunes. Right, on iTunes. <laughs> and then also he played Green, Man- Green Arrow on the Smallville mm-hmm. series this season. Um, so he's in this clip, and he's uh, being seduced by <laughs> this guy, you know, another teenager. And it's, it's, it's the funny. 10 Steps, was ten it? 10 Steps. 10 Steps on how to get the straight jock. Yep. 
and it was very it's really amazing. good and it was short it was like two yeah, and a half two minutes, minutes. Yeah. yeah it was really good so i re- i was watching it today and i was like wait that's oh my god that's awesome because he's hot <laughs> look aquaman getting seduced by a guy that looks like edward furlong <laughs> totally it's really good yeah, I think that's all I have. Okay, cool. Um, well, um, I guess we'll close this out for now, and then the next time you and I are going to do something will probably be for Fantastic Four, because that's coming that's right. up pretty soon. That's right. It's like a couple weeks now. Yeah, we didn't... I, just a note on other movies that are somewhat related, Pirates uh, was out, and it had a. It, it didn't perform as well as I'd hoped. I mean, it still made $115 million or whatever it was, mm-hmm. but it didn't outperform number two, mm-hmm. and it didn't outperform Spider-Man 3, and mm-hmm. it, you know... Didn't, I think it set an all a new Memorial Day record. Yeah, really. Um, but I'm not surprised. The second one was so random and long and didn't end that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised that maybe people aren't rushing out to see it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go see it. I think the two that the two comic movies that I'm really excited for are um, Fantastic Four, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, Transformers. And, you know, I have to say, I am going to go see the Iron Man movie because Robert Downey Jr. is that's, in it. That's a while. It's right? a while. But, yeah. like, just seeing those pictures oh, yeah. uh, and it everything, I'm just, I'm totally, I got it going on for that. I think yeah. that's going to be really I think good. <laughs> I'm really interested to see how, <clears throat> what direction they take that. Yeah. Because comic book movies seem to either fall on the really awesome, either awesome and fun or really well developed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in the good category. Or just. They missed, they missed the mark. <laughs> like and Daredevil. <laughs> like Daredevil. Or even I, you know, feel Spider-Man 3 missed the yeah, mark. Yeah. Um, but see, so Fantastic Four, I didn't think was a great movie as if it weren't, you know, sci-fi and Chris Evans and Jessica <laughs> Alba. But it was, it, it hit the mark. Like yeah. It, it accomplished what it was trying to do. And I think that I'm really hoping that that's what the second one does. Yeah, me too, definitely. As long as Chris Evans is shirtless a few times. And I think I think they have to do that kind of fan service because <laughs> right. that's why he's in the movie, basically. Yeah. Yep. But and and you know, I, I think we we talked about this a little bit too. But um, you know, Marvel, if you're paying attention, Spider-Man three highest grossing movie when it opened. Do you really think that all those girls who went to see it, who were half the audience, would not buy comic books? Yeah. They weren't going to see that movie because they're all in love with Tobey Maguire. No. No. And they're not going because they want to be cursed and dunced. No, let's hope not. They're going because it's a good movie. It's a good character. Yeah. And for you to be actively driving them away with the shit you've been pulling lately, Marvel, and talking to you. Yeah, that statue. Big idea. Just really big, bad idea. Did you post the picture of the Spider-Man? Oh, I did. Okay, good. Awesome. I love that. That was great. I would buy that that. statue. So I think we can agree on that. We would definitely buy the Spidey statue. And his little thong. Yeah. But I think you're right. Nipple piercings would be better. Because everything goes better with nipple rings. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this was great. I'm glad we got to talk about this stuff. And then, um, yeah, next time, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>